One of the things which sets the Christian faith, the one true faith, apart from other religions is a sense of mystery. And in the practice of Christianity, specifically in the Holy Roman Catholic Church, there are many mysteries. We have the decades of the rosary, which are often referred to as the mysteries of our Lord. And at mass, we'll often see or often have things like incense and hear bells and, and chanting in foreign languages. All of these things adding to a sense of mystery in the sacred liturgies. And today we celebrate the greatest mystery ever revealed to mankind, a triune God. One God, three persons, who has existed for all time, a God without beginning, a God without end, a God who is all-loving, all-knowing, and all-powerful. In, semer in seminary, the course which, in which we studied the Holy Trinity was called the mystery of the living God. The mystery of the living God. And in that semester-long course, we tried to answer questions such as these. How can God exist without being created? How can the Son of God have always existed, yet be born in time? How can God know what I'm going to do before I do it without influencing my will? How can the Holy Spirit proceed from the Father and the Son when the Son was conceived by the Holy Spirit? How is it that humankind was created in the image and likeness of God himself. St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the greatest saints of the, and theologians of the church, a doctor of the church, says that the more somebody comes to know about God, the more that some person knows about God, the more they'll realize just how much they don't know about God, and vice versa. He would say that if somebody thinks that they know God completely, they understand God, then in reality, they know nothing about God. Because God is a mystery to us. Now, human beings, I believe, have an innate desire to seek out this mysterious God and to know him. It's interesting that every known civilization on this planet, even and especially those civilizations which developed for centuries without contact from other uh, civilizations and other peoples, you know, these, these civilizations which developed for many centuries on, on uh, remote islands or in the desert or on a mountaintop, they all have elements of religion in their culture. Everyone. And they have a moral code which is very similar to the Ten Commandments. They're seeking out this mysterious God. It's human nature. We can also see this desire to know mystery in other parts of our lives. Just think of your favorite movie, TV show, book, uh, whatever it may be. There's a mystery, an element of mystery involved in that book or that show no matter what it may be. Because the next time you watch that movie or, or, or that show or you read that book, it's not the same, right? 
It's not the same. They're, because you know what's going to happen. Maybe that's why there are so many TV shows and books about mystery. Because once a person finishes it, they're going to move on to the next. But we also see this sense of mystery in science with people trying to explore the outer reaches of space or underwater exploration. We also see this sense of mystery in relationships. You know, one thing which, hap which helps two people to be attracted to each other is a sense of mystery. There's a sense of the unknown. And when somebody's falling in love or, or being attracted to this person, they want to know more about that person. They want to spend more time with that person to figure out that mystery. So one would think, one would think that people would be interested in discovering the greatest mystery of all, knowing more about the Holy Trinity. But instead, most people, I believe, prefer to satisfy this sense of, of mystery, unworldly mysteries. And I, I often wonder, why is this? Maybe it's because most of the, the mysteries in this world can be explained. They can be solved. I think it's interesting because once we solve a mystery, we lose something about it. As I mentioned with watching TV shows or reading a book, once you've read it, once you've seen that show, you don't have quite the attraction to, to watch that movie again or read that book again. And the same is true with, with science. You know, once a scientist discovers why does this organism live, how does this organism live at the bottom of the sea, once that mystery is, is solved, they move on to the next mystery. And if a person has a relationship with another person and, and that relationship is not built on core principles and, and Christian values, then things are going to get a little rough when that sense of mystery is gone. I think all of us here can relate to that, that sense of, of losing desire in a person or a thing or an idea once that, that sense of mystery is, is resolved. I remember in, in uh, I think it was my first year of seminary, I uh, wrote a letter to the secretary of the papal household and I asked for a private audience with John Paul II. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did I have some grand ideas. <laughs> and in this letter, I, I told uh, the secretary of the papal household who I was. I explained I was from a seminary from the Diocese of Spokane, explained the diocese a little bit. And I said, there's three other seminarians from the diocese here. And uh, we would like to uh, have a private audience with John Paul II. So after I wrote it and sent it, uh, I told a couple of the priests and seminarians I did that, and they, they thought I was crazy. They said, that's never going to work. And two weeks later, two weeks later, I got a phone call Saturday morning. I was doing my Greek homework on Saturday morning at 9.30. Got a phone call, and there's this lady speaking Italian, and I thought, I know what this is about. And I should have paid more attention to my Italian class because I couldn't understand what she's saying. And, and at the end, uh, she said in English, she said, if you want to meet the Pope, be at the bronze doors at 11 o'clock. 
I said, okay. So I dropped my, everything I was doing, I ran and, and uh, got the attention of the other seminarians who didn't know I wrote this letter. And I said, I can't, I don't have time to explain now, but we're going to meet John Paul in an hour and a half. Put on your cassock, we have to be at the bronze doors in an hour and a half. So we show up at the bronze doors, very excited. We're, we're led into the bronze doors and we are sitting in this room with about eight other people. And after about 30 minutes, we're led up a, a staircase to the uh, to a courtyard in front of the uh, papal uh, palace and we cross this courtyard we go into the door we walk across a hall into an elevator go up a few flights get off the elevator go down this hall enter into this big room and all the time when this is happening i was i was asking myself is john paul ii is the pope going to be around the next corner is he going to be in this room so we go through this large room, then we go through a series of smaller rooms, a, a series of antechambers, and this series of seven or eight, maybe nine rooms. And I was, you know, I was just so excited. I was thinking, you know, when that door opens for the next room, is he going to be in there? And finally, finally, at the end of a series of eight or nine rooms, he was there. So we got to meet him, kiss his ring, he gave, gave us rosaries, and then we left. Well, five months later, I had another opportunity to meet the Pope. It was during an ad lumina visit, which is uh, when the, every bishop of the world visits with the, with the Holy Father. It's every five years. Uh, they have a private audience. And this particular year, each bishop was allowed to bring one person with them. And so uh, Bishop Kazing from Cincinnati, who is uh, an, a military archbishop, he, he asked me to go with him. And so... We went to the bronze doors and we waited in this room and then we walked up a staircase and then we walked across the courtyard into the papal uh, apartment building, into an elevator, up a few flights out of the elevator, down the hallway, through a large room, through a series of smaller antechambers, uh, smaller rooms until we came to the place where John Paul was. Now don't get me wrong, I was very excited once again to meet basically a living saint, right? But there is something missing. There is something different about that second time because I, I had a pretty good idea that when we came out of the elevator, he wasn't going to be at the end of that hallway. He wasn't going to be in that large room. He wasn't going to be in the first or second or the third or the fifth small room. I had a pretty good idea of where he was going to be, and he was. He was in the same place. So it was great to meet him a second time but it was different because there wasn't that element of mystery. Why do people prefer worldly mysteries to the mysteries of our faith? I think maybe because some people want to control and they think that they can ultimately solve these worldly mysteries. They can resolve them in one way or another. And many people, they're just not comfortable with with not being in control. They're not comfortable with not knowing something. In fact, in our nation, in our society and culture, it's, it's actually seen as a weakness. If you don't know a lot about a person or a place or a thing or whatever it may be, it can be seen as a weakness. And if we try to solve the mysteries of God, especially the mystery of the Holy Trinity, we're going to be fr uh, very frustrated and disappointed and maybe even mistakenly proud that we've solved it only to move on to another mystery. But we can't solve that mystery 
or any mystery of God. Mysteries of faith, they require humility and dependence on God and an acknowledgement of our weakness, which our ego really wants nothing to do with. But this is exactly how contemplating the mysteries of God can actually bring us closer to Him. It's in recognizing the unfathomable power and love of God which makes me realize just how little I can do on my own. And this happens not when we try to solve the mystery of the Trinity or any other mystery of our faith, not try to solve or control it, but instead when we, we appreciate this mystery and we respect it for what it is. Now ultimately, ultimately, nobody can ever solve the mystery of the Trinity. Nobody. And if they think they can, then they've made themselves equal to God. And then they've made themselves another God. And that can't happen. Unlike other mysteries, the mysteries in our world, the mysteries of God, they're not meant to be solved, but instead appreciated and embraced. So instead of trying to rationalize three persons in one God, we appreciate it. And instead of trying to determine why God answers some of our prayers and others it seems he's not, we embrace that. And instead of questioning why God allows certain things to happen in our life, we trust him. And this will increase our desire to know him and to love him more. So how can we restore this sense of mystery in our faith? Well, the Mass is often referred to as the sacred mysteries. In fact, the opening introduction uh, which the priest or bishop gives at Mass, asking the people to, to um, place their mind in a state so they can enter fully into the sacred mysteries. Sacred mean, meaning set apart from the rest of the world. And mystery, something which we cannot ever fully understand while here on this earth, but we can appreciate. So the church is asking us to, to prepare our hearts and minds to enter into these sacred mysteries. We have other mysteries at the Mass too, as we encounter the supernatural. We think of us gathering as the mystical body of Christ. This is teaching in the New Testament, and it's been teaching of the church for 2,000 years. We're part of the mystical body of Christ. It's a mystery. And the scriptures, which we just heard moments ago, they're written down by humans, but God is the source, the author, and the inspiration. That's an incredible mystery. How does that happen? Another mystery, when we sing the Holy Holy, the Sanctus Sanctus, the choirs of angels and saints are with us, singing and chanting that with us. And the mystery of the Eucharist, it's not just a reenactment of what happened in the upper room during the Last Supper. No, the Holy Spirit is bringing us back into that moment of the Last Supper. And another great mystery, especially for me, simple bread and wine become God in the hands of the priest at the command of the priest. An incredible mystery indeed. There's been a recent emphasis on, on um, the, the Latin Mass when uh, Benedict XVI 
issued his motu proprio, uh, uh, giving priests the ability to celebrate the, uh, the extraordinary form. And the reason why he did that, it's in the motu proprio, he explains it very, very uh, briefly, was to restore a sense of, of reverence and mystery to the sacred liturgies. Because let's face it, there's many, there's many parishes in the United States which have lost that sense of mystery at the Holy Mass. It doesn't seem sacred. It doesn't seem set apart from the rest of the world. And in my 15 years of experience as a priest, I've, 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 I've seen so many times that, that the, the greater appreciation for the mystery, especially the mystery of the Eucharist and, and the mystery of the Holy Trinity in a, in a parish community, the greater the reverence the greater the beauty of the, of, the, of the liturgy. And so Holy Mother Church wants us to restore that sense of mystery to our faith, and especially to the Mass. There's a, I think that uh, growing an appreciation for the mystery of the Holy Trinity also has practical consequences in our life. We're going to grow in, a, in, a, in humility, have a greater humility. We're going to have a deeper trust in the Lord, uh, His plan for us. We're going to have a heightened sense of the sacred and a greater reverence, especially in the liturgies. We're definitely going to have a better prayer life. You know, the, these uh, like worldly mysteries, our desire will grow as we experience this mystery. But unlike worldly mysteries, which ultimately have an end, they can be solved. The mysteries of God are endless. And we all have that innate desire for mystery in our life. The question is, how am I going to apply that desire? How am I going to use that desire for mystery? Am I going to waste it and squander it on the worldly mysteries? Or will I desire the unfathomable mysteries of God? the mystery of the Holy Trinity, the mystery of the living God. Praise be Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.